and welcome everyone to this online conversation hosted by the European Centre for International Political Economy on the economic and broader societal value of intellectual property, or IP, for the EU and its member states. My name is Jackie Davis and today I'm very pleased to welcome Olivier de Matos to this conversation. Olivier is Director General of CropLife Europe which represents the sustainable crop protection solutions sector, an industry vital to help deliver a more sustainable agricultural sector and food system, and thus contribute to meeting the objectives of the European Green Deal. So it's great to have you with us, Olivier, to discuss the role of IP in fostering those innovations, and in particular, how to realize the full benefits of intellectual property rights in EU free trade agreements, the subject of the recent ESIP study we're discussing in these podcasts. Olivia, let me just start with a very basic question. I know that constant innovation is really important to a sector like yours if we are to achieve this green transition. Um, But can you just tell me a little bit more about the key drivers for that innovation in your sector? And and specifically, what role does IP play in that? Uh, Hi, Jackie. And um, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, for the invitation. It's real pleasure uh, being with you today. Let's say uh, that's a very good question uh, indeed. I mean, the, um, the European Green Deal provides us with a, an opportunity to deliver more sustainable agriculture and to uh, strengthen food security. And we want to contribute to the green transition and promote uh, the competitiveness of uh, EU agriculture. Uh, you know, we are operating a globalized food system, so uh, we also have to take this into account. And um, our key driver is to support sustainable agriculture around the world and provide the largest toolbox of solutions for farmers. Um, We're talking about biopesticides, plant biotechnology, uh, but also conventional applications and uh, precision farming, for example. And that holistic approach of uh, toolbox uh, will allow farmers to choose the production model they want to use, knowing that it's safe for the environment, for consumer, but also for themselves. In all that, intellectual property is a key driver too. And um, plant protection and crop protection science uh, are among the most research-intensive industries. And innovation needs to be encouraged, supported and protected. Uh, And that's the only way. So only through effective protection of uh, R&D investments, we can help farmers to meet the challenges that they have ahead of producing high quality, safe and affordable food, but also uh, while you know protecting natural resources. Olivia, we're talking about a range of types of IP, and you said there that you want to provide that largest toolbox of solutions, as you put it, uh, for farmers. Uh, but can we identify particular types of IP that are particularly important to your members? Uh, and if so, why do they matter so much? Uh, there are several types uh, of IP rights. We talk about uh, patents, uh, regulatory data protection, plant variety rights, and even trademarks. And the role of these rights for our members differs greatly, uh, but they are frequently applicable to the same product. I'm going to focus on patents and protection of regulatory data here. Patents are definitely the basis to provide legal certainty to our members and support their research. They may get an extension uh, through supplementary protection certificates and the extension of the timing restores the duration of the patent to compensate for the delays in obtaining a marketing authorization. Moreover, 
Protection does not only play a role in recovering investments, it also makes it easier for other market players to innovate through technology transfer. And when the exclusivity period expires, innovation becomes available to anyone. However, uh, protection of regulatory data could be even more important than patents. Uh, most of our members' products are subject to marketing authorizations that are granted by regulatory authorities. And this approval is based upon the assessment of scientific studies on the product's efficacy and safety to humans, animals, and the environment. And our members have to do many studies prior to bringing innovative uh, technologies to the market. That means thousands and thousands of pages of scientific reports, hundreds of millions of euros uh, that are invested, and more than 10 years from the start of research to uh, the first sales. It's a long pipeline. And our members can only keep doing that if their regulatory data is protected. If they can't have the exclusivity, the business model simply doesn't work. So industry cannot innovate. And therefore, the exclusive use of regulatory data protects data generators against unfair commercial uses. Um, when you look at all of this and how important it is for your sector, uh, what implication does this have uh, when we come to talking about EU policies, both in, in a broader sense, that importance that you've underlined of a robust IPR framework, but specifically uh, in this topic that, as I mentioned earlier, was the subject of the ESIP study, namely EU free trade agreements. What are the broad implications? We'll delve into some of the specifics of what you want in a minute, but in broad terms. Well, our members build their business on bringing continuous innovation to the market and intellectual property protection is crucial for that. IP is indeed a cornerstone for our industry to make sure that the creations that come out of investments are protected. So the protection of intellectual property rights for innovation is a critical success factor. You need companies to invest and at the same time to reward the investment. And intellectual property helps ensuring the financial capacity to invest in the research and development of new products that guarantee resilience of farmers in the EU and global markets. So from the one hand, uh, Europe's IP system prevents market failure, it leads to rise in investment and allows farmers access to safe and efficient agricultural technologies. Uh, but this is only one of the benefits of IP protection for our sector. Stronger IP provisions and free trade agreements translate in more benefits than just economic gains. IP rights also play a role, in, uh, an important role, actually, uh, for achieving environmental goals in the EU and globally. And you know, talking about FTAs, for example, a robust, a robust system for intellectual property protection in FTAs encourages our members to develop products that improve the global agricultural production. So it's bigger than just the EU. And, and what does all this mean in very practical terms when it comes to the EU's negotiations with its training partners on these issues? Where do you think the focus would be? What provisions are most important uh, to get that robust framework you're talking about? And are we just talking about future negotiations on free trade agreements? Or do we also need to look at the existing agreements, go through them again and see if those provisions uh, work in the way that you insist they must? This is an important aspect, Jackie. For uh, an R&D-oriented industry uh, like ours with considerable experts to, talk to third countries, uh, the creation of appropriate IP conditions is of great importance. 
Uh, it means in particular putting in place and enforcing provision that safeguard patents, confidential business information and regulatory data. For the uh, agrochemical industry in particular, the generation of safety and efficacy studies to obtain marketing authorizations for new substances is a huge effort in terms of time and money. And we consider that a period of exclusivity of 10 years from the date of the first registration in the country is the ideal way to protect the industry against the unfair commercial use of studies and to promote innovation uh, in more sustainable products. This term is in line actually with the European uh, and international rules. Despite this, the duration of regulatory data protection that uh, the uh, Union uh, negotiates with trade partners is significantly lower than 10 years. A clear example is the Mercosur agreement, as most Mercosur country, countries do not provide effective protection for regulatory data. And this has a negative uh, impact on innovation as EU data are potentially less protected in the territories of trading partners. And the problem is identified by the, uh, the recent transparency regulation, which requires proactive publication of scientific data, supporting applications that are submitted to uh, EFSA. So, you know, the transparency regulation clearly states that disclosure does not equal to permission to exploit data in breach of data exclusivity rules and that the union is no way is in no way responsible for misuse by third parties however in the absence of strong fta provisions the only safeguard of data owners is a simple checkbox informing those who download regulatory studies that they have no right to exploit data and as eu regulatory data submitted to efsa can now be accessed and downloaded competitors might use those data to market copies of products in third uh, countries, offering weaker protection and uh, stopping unlawful use of regulatory information without strong IP provisions in FTAs is particularly difficult as third countries' uh, regulatory systems are not, are not subject to EU law and are diverse, actually. But as I understand you from what you're saying, then it really is not just an issue that needs to be focused on in those future negotiations, but we really do need to go back and revisit those ones where, as you say, that exclusivity period is, is less uh, than the 10 years. We need to go back, revisit this uh, and, and put it right. I did, yeah. Okay, um, I have a, something that puzzles me about all of this, Olivia, and it's a question uh, I've been discussing with many of my podcast uh, interviewees because, and I think it's particularly pertinent when we talk about the agricultural sector because we're talking here about a sector that features very strongly in trade negotiations. Agriculture is always a central point. It attracts a lot of public attention, a lot of media attention, as well as a lot of negotiators' time and effort. And you've underlined why intellectual property rights are so important for the green transition. So I'm a little bit puzzled as to why this issue tends to attract far less attention in trade negotiations than other topics. It was described by one of my interviews as it's treated like something the cat dragged in. Um, as I say, particularly surprising in this sector of all sectors, what would you say to convince EU governments, EU member states, because after all, the EU negotiates on the basis of a mandate from them. What would you say to convince them and EU negotiators that they really need to pay more attention to this issue in future? That's a, another important point. 
I would start by saying that uh, you know people need to realize that uh, um, you know IP is indeed very technical, very legal, and uh, sometimes can come across as boring and not really sort of you know the as fascinating as uh, the negotiations, uh, sort of the overall negotiations in in agriculture. But while agriculture is given great consideration in trade talks, on the IP side, EU negotiators tend to sort of focus a bit more on the uh, geographical indications. And these are indeed important, but other types of IP are also key to support the green transition, and they deserve the same consideration. The EU should also integrate stronger provisions for patents and regulatory data protection. We have already touched on the subject of regulatory data protection in FTAs, but on patents, for example, trade agreements should always include patent restoration terms that compensate the significant delays in obtaining an authorization to place products in third country markets. Now, as I mentioned, we represent an R&D-oriented industry with considerable exports to third countries, and uh, the uh, SCP study finds that more than 50% of EU exports are not covered by bilateral FTAs, which is an issue for trade with countries where IP systems and enforcement are weaker. Another key takeaway is that the largest positive impact on exports comes from patent and patent-related provisions. Um, in other words, stronger provisions would lead to higher GDP in Europe, more EU exports, and higher investment in the EU. And it would benefit the EU as a whole and every EU member state. The problem underlying this situation is certainly the difficulty to assess the impact of stronger IP right provisions in EU FTAs, and the uh, SCP study is an excellent tool to show the link between strong IP protection, investment, innovation, and competitiveness of uh, European companies. So the first, I would say, advice I would give is to read the report. Olivier, thank you so much. As you say, this may be seen as technical, rather legalistic, may be seen as boring, but it is not. It is absolutely vital for your sector and for that green transition. Uh, Olivier, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much indeed. Over the next few months, we're unpacking the findings of this ESIPE study through a series of activities that include events, podcasts and blogs that allow a range of experts to share their views. As part of this, we're focusing on several exciting topics, including, among others, the EU's industrial strategy, pharmaceutical innovation, biotech and healthcare, the machinery equipment sector, the role of IP in combating counterfeiting and piracy, the importance of IP for the EU's small and medium-sized enterprises, and how IP can combat biodiversity loss. We invite you to join the discussion on social media using the hashtag IPineUFTAs and to follow our trade and IP webpage at esipe.org for all future updates. Goodbye. <music>